everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Innovate Finance, our podcast series where we speak to industry leaders on financial innovation and fintech. Our podcasts are available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. My name is Finn Chambers, CFO at Innovate Finance, and today I'm delighted to be joined by James Codling, Managing Partner of Volution. James has a background in banking and private equity and a lifelong passion for technology. Volution is an early-stage venture fund, backing ambitious UK-based fintech and SaaS businesses, ready to accelerate their growth to Series B and beyond. So hello, James, and welcome and thank you for joining us today. That's all right. James, so to start with, tell me a bit about your background and your role at Volution. Uh, yes, of course. Um, so by background, um, uh, I originally trained as an electronic and software engineer many, many years ago. Um, I did a master's in electronic and electrical engineering and software engineering uh, at the University of Birmingham. Um, and I was all set to go into engineering uh, at that time, but I got lured into the city in the early uh well, late 90s, early 2000s, at the top of the uh, telecoms bubble, um, as or the dot-com bubble, as it was known then. Um, and I joined uh, a firm called JP Morgan, um, originally focusing on uh, financing telecoms companies who were, at that time, we, we were doing a lot of cable fundings, we were doing a lot of 3G rollout. Um, and I think, as you probably know, that that market... Um, crashed in the early 2000s as a result of the collapse of the dot-com bubble. Um, And I started to move into doing private equity work, uh, which I did for quite a number of years uh, for JP Morgan in London and uh, also in Hong Kong uh, before I moved into a career in private equity, uh, joining a upper mid-market buyout house called Montague in, I think, 2006. Um, uh, And I did that for a few years. And that that um, that was an interesting journey for me, uh, but I never was able really to shake off the the love of technology that I've always had. And while I was at Montague, I was doing a little bit of angel investing, uh, so investing in some relatively early stage UK companies. Um, and I thought uh, this is really quite exciting. The UK's doing some really good things in tech and particularly in uh, sectors that I knew a bit about, so financial services, um, enterprise SaaS. um, And I decided uh, to leave my career then and go off and set up my own venture business, which I did in, it's it's actually thin, 10 years ago. Years ago. 10 years ago yesterday, I left uh, to embark on this venture uh, journey. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was talking to um, my family about it the other day. It's it's been a, an interesting ten years or an interesting decade. I'm sure there's uh, no regrets for that. No regrets. No, no not regrets. At all. No. Um, <laughs> it's a space that I love. It's a very different market to private equity, the venture space here in the UK. It's um, a lot more collaborative, a lot more, um, um, I suppose satisfying in terms of um being able to see outcomes or the the outcome of your work more directly translate into success uh it's a lot riskier of course um but i the, the culture and uh around venture in the uk is very different to the culture in private equity and it's it's a space that myself and a lot of people love and i think you know what we're trying to do at volution is is really get behind some of the uk's 
fintech and SaaS success stories and really help them grow and scale to get to where they can be. So it's very satisfying in that regard. So it's been, I'm not going to pretend it's all been plain sailing over the past <laughs> 10 years, but it, it's been a, it's been a very interesting time to be involved in. Very interesting and very rewarding, I'm sure. Yes, indeed. Great. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's my background at, at Volution. Uh, I'm the managing partner of Volution. Um, so I'm responsible for uh, both, um, I suppose, everything to do with our, ourselves as an institution, but also um, I do uh, transactions. So I work on my own deals and help and support our portfolio, um, you know, with, with everything that they've got going on. I see. So, James, you know, according to our investment reports, UK fintech investment in 2022 decreased only 8% compared to 2021, which is, you know, it's a much smaller decrease than the global average. So yeah. what do you think about 2023? What's your view? And then what's your view on the current investment landscape? Yeah, I think um, I think the UK is rather um, blessed to some extent in terms of we, 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 we've genuinely created a, an ecosystem around uh, supporting these companies. Um, and I'll talk a bit more about it in a minute. Um, in, in terms of where, where a lot of that investment's gone, but I, but I think that there's compared to when I started in venture, there is a much more developed and sophisticated network out there and able to to fund and support uh, early stage UK tech. Um, the UK is very strong, as you know, in particularly fintech, uh, but also uh, biotech and life science, uh, particularly out of some of the, the universities. Um, SAS, we've been very successful in um developing and we, we're starting to do good things in deep tech and ai um i think i think 2023 hopefully will be will be a bit of a watershed moment for venture i think um we've had a relatively uninterrupted growth in the vc funding landscape over the last sort of 10 12 13 years uh, and some of that got uh frothy a little bit over the top, I think yeah. a lot of people yeah. would say uh, in 2021, um, and we saw valuations and, and terms on deals getting stretched uh, and stretched and stretched. And I think that the market certainly saw a contraction in that in 2022. I suspect, I suspect in 2022, although volumes were down, I suspect there was a there was a lot of people funding to support their existing portfolios. Uh, I suspect. Uh, a lot of money has been put into existing portfolios to help them get through um, break it well, get through to break even and profitability with a view to riding out the market and and then you know regrouping and seeing where we go from there. I, I hope that twenty twenty three will be the um, I suppose the the time when venture starts focusing again in a more uh, sensible way on new deal flow and actually, um, you know, new deals coming back to or coming to market and actually those deals getting funded. And um, uh, but I think there's going to be a bit of pain on the way. I suspect there will be a lot of people are saying this that 2023, well, 2021 was the end of the excess, 2022 has been shoring up and supporting those that will make it. I suspect 2023 there will be a shakeout in companies that won't make it not actually getting there um and venture portfolios trying to manage through that hopefully towards the back end of the year where we see a, a return to 
um, you know, good levels of investing activity and new deal flow. But I think the the heyday of 2021 valuations has gone for the foreseeable future. Well, hopefully, I think I think it makes the UK a much more interesting and attractive place to to invest at the minute. Okay, great. So you talk about your passion for the technology and then your passion for this being an entrepreneur and supporting them through their journey. So tell us yeah. a bit more about how how you and Volution are trying to do that to support the entrepreneur in, during their journey. Yeah, I think that's a, a great question. And um, the, the whole, I suppose, vision for Volution from the outset was really to bring together people who had skills and expertise in having built uh, and exited uh, fintech and SaaS companies to come back into the market and help support uh, the next generation of um, fintech and uh, SaaS uh, success stories here in the UK. So at Revolution's heart, although we, people like myself, have a uh, an investment background, um, but also a technology background in, 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 in my case, but mo- the, all the team have had relevant skill sets within fintech and within SaaS, having been involved in and scaled and exited those type of businesses. Um, And and what we tried to do at Volution, uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about where we sit in the market, but what we try to uh, do at Volution is really bring that more operational mindset to the companies that we invest in uh, and try and help them. Um, And it always strikes me, it's a little bit, um, I don't think it should be surprising, but it always does surprise me that a lot of the companies that we look at and ultimately the ones that we back, they're all struggling with very similar things. They could be in completely different, operating in completely different markets. They've all got similar business models, but they could be operating in completely different markets, but they all seem to struggle with the same scale challenges. And that could be um, go-to-market, it could be um, that they are lacking in terms of partnerships or could be that they haven't found their ideal customer profile. It could be that there are uh, leadership holes within their team that need supporting and filling. And I think the the thing that we can do is having been through it warts and all and founded and grown and scaled our own businesses that we, we can actually be there to help them support and guide both internally with the, uh, the team members, but we also have quite a well-developed um, entrepreneur, entrepreneur residence uh, program as well, where we can bring in people who have those skill sets to help help those companies um, and and help them to understand where it is that they might need to focus. Um, in terms of where we invest, uh, we we are backing companies that already have their first institutional um, checks. So we are backing companies who are either scaling from series A to series B or even series B to series C. Um, and I can talk about that in a minute, Then, but that, that's where we see the biggest funding challenge for the UK at the minute, which is yeah. we, we think there's a there's going to be a lot of missed opportunity in the UK, particularly with what's been going on in the venture market over the last 18 months, if, if funding gaps between A and B and B and C aren't addressed. Yes. So this is what basically makes you you different from others in a similar space. You genuinely try to help the entrepreneur with their operation matters and difficulties, not just just here is the money. There you go. You you help them through their journey. Yeah, I think we tr- I, I think we I think we have quite a good understanding of what it is uh, and what it takes to scale a successful fintech or SaaS business here in the UK. So, for example. 
Uh, one of our partners, Steve Lemon, uh, co-founded a business called Currency Cloud, which sold to Visa um, at the back end of 2021. You know, grew it from a complete startup to a, uh, you know, a very sizable business um, and was responsible for, a, you know, large part of their go-to-market strategy, but also their partnership strategy. So I think having, having that kind of level of experience within the team helps us to to, I suppose, identify with those founders and CEOs the challenges that they're going through and being able to support. I think the other thing that differentiates us is where we invest. So we are, we do not believe in the funding silos that the UK has built around venture. Uh, so we do not believe in typically seed, series A, series B, series C funding. I'm not saying that's not right. There's a whole market that's being built on it, but I think uh, where we see challenges for companies is that journey, particularly from series A to series B and, and often series B to series C, where the, the market kind of tends to not, not give up is the wrong is the wrong expression, but the market does not is not functional to support those companies that might need more capital within that funding journey um, and particularly not external third party capital so where where we we are looking for companies that are very clearly able to demonstrate the metrics that can get them say from series a to series b but actually they might need another five six million pounds to get them there and that is often a stretch for their existing institutional investors to be able to provide all that capital um and companies might go to venture debt they will probably try and tap up their existing institutional investors, maybe their angel investors. But the reality is what they often need at that point in time is somebody with a fresh pair of eyes to come in and look at doing a new round, um, which is where, where we come in and where we provide capital. And there are very few people doing it in our space. Uh, in fact, we, we don't know of anyone else really who is doing no, it. No, I, I was thinking the same. Yeah, I don't think there is anyone because a lot of people usually following what you said, seed. And then, then there's series A, series B, and C, and that is it is really very difficult to fundraise between those series. So yeah, it's very it's interesting. The, it's the biggest execution risk for a founder. Um, the yeah. way I always think about it is, you know, as a founder, you go and you raise your seed round, which is great, and you you get better product market fit, MVP. You then uh, get to say a million of ARR. You go and raise a bit of institutional money. And at that point, you think, not everyone, but a lot of people think, oh, I'm a rock star now. I've got a wonderful VC on my cap table or a couple of VCs, and this is going to be a very easy journey now to get to Series B. Yeah. Um, the reality is the journey to Series B, you've got to 10x, and you've got to be demonstrating the KPIs um, that will attract a Series B investor. And I think a lot of founders don't really understand that at the outset of that Series A to B journey. And I think, you know, a 1 million ARR company is still a very, very, very young company. And there is a hell of a lot of execution risk on that way to Series B. And yeah. often it will just be a case of you need a bit more time. You might need a bit more money. You might have suddenly found that your product market fit wasn't working in a certain area, but actually in another area it is. And you then need capital to grow and scale that part. So there's all kinds of reasons why on that journey it's not linear and it's a bit bumpy. Um, but there are next to no funding options for founders during that transition phase. Um, and it's a real problem. 
That is true. You don't want to force the founders to rush into things and, you know, take your time, perfect yeah. your product before you get to the next Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of founders will go to the Series B market and the Series B market will say, ah, you're not quite ready. Yeah. And then they're going, okay, I'm not quite ready, but actually I don't have a huge amount of runway left. Um, so what am I going to do? Um, who do I go to? Who do I look to get some additional investment from? Um, and that's where we come in. That's very interesting. So James, so you're obviously trying to do something different from other people. So as with any new, you know, thinking idea and opportunities, it comes with the difficulties and risks and the um, challenges. So do you have any challenges in trying to help these uh, entrepreneurs in their journey this way? Do we find any challenges? Yeah. Yeah, lots of challenges. Um <laughs> Uh, I mean, we're we're still a venture investor, so um, um, you know, from our perspective, it's still uh, phenomenally risky capital that we're um, we're putting to work. I think um, the one thing that we we are we do benefit from is our companies tend to be slightly later stage, uh, so they tend to be sort of four or five million of recurring revenue and up up to say twenty to twenty five, where we look to make a first investment. Um, I think they. Although they may well have well identified um, sort of challenges that we can try and help them with, the the reality is there are there is still a lot of, of execution risk in their plan, um, and I think the biggest challenge that we have as the UK as a whole is that even even if we invest in this sort of bridge round, say between A and B, and we partner up with the existing institutional investors. And maybe we take on a bit more venture debt or whatever it is. Um, there still isn't the depth of capital in that space to provide all the money that those companies require. See. Okay. So um let's talk about slightly different um subject. So you know we are all living through a cost of living crisis at the moment. So yes. do you have any case study in, in like some of your company in your portfolio? What are they trying to do to help tackle the crisis? Any example of your portfolio companies doing that? Uh, yes. So it's a very uh, pertinent topic, clearly, at the minute. And um, uh, there's a couple of companies in the portfolio that are putting a particular focus on this. And it, I, I suppose it wouldn't um, uh, be a surprise to you that they are some of our more consumer facing fintech businesses that we've invested in uh the most uh or the most recent investment that we have made uh, or one of the most recent investments we the business called and way home have a, a very unique product for uk first-time buyers uh trying to help people get onto the property ladder and um uh and do so in spite of i suppose rising mortgage rates uh which is making it um you know quite often unaffordable for uh normal people um to, to get on the housing ladder without huge deposits and way home have a very innovative um product in this space in that they uh they work with a group of pension funds uh to buy the property with um a first-time buyer uh, so the first-time buyer ends up owning anywhere between, say, 5 and 15% of the property. The rest is owned by 
the pension funds uh, and there's no mortgage product. Uh, what it allows people to do is to be able to buy a home up to roughly about 10 times the value of their home. Um, and in return, uh, they pay a, a rent to the pension fund uh, on the, the balance that they don't own. So they make it much more accessible, uh, the housing market a lot more accessible to uh, people who have been previously locked out of uh, owning a property. Um, and they're doing very well. Um, there's a huge ESG angle with them around that. Um, they are Shariah compliant as well. So um, there are quite a number of reasons why their, their, their product is very appealing for um, you know, large sections of society. Um, Zopa's doing a lot in this space, um, not only on their own, but um, with, a, with a group of other sort of large uh, UK fintech companies to um, make banking uh, sort of far more transparent and accessible to um, uh, to people who um, you know are, are are struggling with cost of living crisis. Um, and I suspect you know there will be, as as you say, I mean this is going to becoming an increasing area of focus for uh, a lot of companies. And I think a lot of your members, then I think um, yeah. it will be a huge focus for them over the next um, couple of years. Yes, this is going to be also a theme on our IFGS and impact that uh, FinTech can do to help out the yeah. um, uh, cost of living crisis. So yes, so you just touched on ESG. So how how do you incorporate this ESG into your business model? What what do you do evolution to drive ESG? Oh, I'm glad you asked then. That's, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to make my head of growth, Nina, very happy. So um, <laughs> um, we, we take ESG very um, seriously, evolution. I think... Um, the, the benefit of being a relatively new fund manager is that we've been able to ingrain, uh, I suppose, ESG at the heart of everything that we do at Volution. Um, and I was very keen from the outset that we um, make it a sort of a cornerstone of our model that we have a very coherent, but also a, a, a policy around ESG that encourages our portfolio to um get behind ESG initiatives and drive change. So quite simply, what, what does that mean? Uh, we, we, we have a scheme with our uh, portfolio company. So every portfolio company that we back is able to benefit um, in the upside of our fund um, through, um, through taking a share of what we call our parry, which is the, the profit share that we as a manager take. Um, and an element of that is driven by how they um, how they drive ESG initiatives throughout their firm. So when we do a when we make an investment into a company, we effectively sit down with that portfolio company and do an audit of where they sit in terms of environmental, social, and governance factors, and then we give them a rating, uh, which is within sort of well known industry benchmarks. And then as through our ownership. Um, we encourage and work with them and help support them to drive change in ESG. And then we do an annual audit of how they are doing. And assuming they attain a certain benchmark within our ownership period, um, they they will qualify for a share of what we call um, uh, our uh, carbon carry, um, uh, an ESG carry, which which effectively gives them profit share in our business. Uh, and we also- Very interesting. Yeah, we also as a firm 
invest some of our carry profit back into carbon offsetting initiatives. So I think we recognized very early on that the biggest uh, impact that our portfolio has is on uh, server usage. So they, they, they that that's the biggest um, area of um, sort of environmental impact that they have. Uh, and so for um, for that, we we effectively take a share of our parry and we deploy that into offsetting carbon emissions that they might make through uh, their server usage. A lot, a lot that you're doing. So thank you, James. So just a last question. So what is the future for evolution? Yeah, well, um, it's an interesting time for us because we, uh, we're we coming to the end of our first fund. Uh, we've made 13 investments uh, in that fund. We've exited two of those companies. So we exited Passport to Moody's uh, in 2021. We exited Brightpearl to Sage uh, in 2021 as well. Um, we're, we're now coming to the end of Fund 1. Uh, we are about to start hopefully raising for our second fund. Um, which um, is is going to be a large piece of work for myself and all the team over the next uh, months. Um, we're still deploying out of this first fund. So as so we made 13 investments, we, we will probably um, make uh, at least one, maybe two more into this fund uh, and do quite a few follow-ons into the portfolio. Um, but I'm hoping that the future is... Um, Right. I think the thing that we've learned from Fund One is that the market for Volution is not getting smaller. The market for Volution is getting quite substantially larger. Um, I think the fundraising journey from A to B, given what's been going on in the market, is going to be increasingly challenging for uh, UK tech companies. And I think my worry is that there aren't people like us around uh, to help support and guide those companies on that journey. Um, so I think, you know, it, it's, a, it's a growing market, or it's a growing part of the market. Um, and I think uh, the UK needs to find some quite innovative funding solutions to, to address that space. We're, we're part of the solution, we're by no means the entirety of the solution. But I, 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 think, I think certainly for the foreseeable future, um, you know, there will be plenty of opportunities for us to deploy our capital into into those types of companies. And I, I, I think it's uh, quite an interesting time to invest in them, and it given given what's been going on in the venture market. Great. Well, it's an exciting time, and I wish you all the best. Thank and you, I think that is all for uh, we've got time for. So thank you all for tuning in, and thank you once again to our guest today, James Codling. And thank you all at home for listening. All our previous episodes are available on our website. Join us next time for Coffee with Innovate Finance. So bye for now.